right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of RCST. We are Derek Johnson and Nick Springer. Hey, oh, you're trying to catch me off guard again. Oh, let me just mix it up again. What are you, what are you doing? Why do you do these things? <laughs> what, what, what's, what, what goes on in your brain when mm. you think of this stuff? Makes me happy. That's all that really matters. Uh, the big news of the day, Kenny Logan on Twitter. Who got a jet ski? Me and Jalen Daniels looking. Oh, I don't have a jet ski. Have you ever been on a jet ski? Yeah. Okay. Love jet skis. I, I, I haven't. I've never been on a jet ski. Oh, jet skis are great. Uh, do you think Lance Leipold is like, please don't get injured on the jet ski? Yeah, no, that that is the real concern. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. after the Fanator Tatis stuff where he was like on a <laughs> dirt bike or something, yeah. I feel like every head coach is probably having nightmares about mm-hmm. their star players doing something and getting injured. I forget if it was a dirt bike or an ATV, but Madison Bumgarner like tore his shoulder up doing the same thing. Although those those tend to be more dangerous than than jet skis. Uh, but yeah, man, you can so, go flying off a jet ski. Well, if if you're yeah, you can. If if you're if you uh, have a jet ski for sale, boom. Kenny Logan and, and Jalen Daniels to uh, buy it from you. I, I don't have one. Sorry. <laughs> um, I don't plan on ever having one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Because, you know, I don't like lakes, so I don't like jet skis. Oh, I just didn't think you liked oceans. You just don't like bodies of water. I don't like b- large bodies of water where I can't see what's below me. <laughs> there's not, like, a bunch of bad stuff. Well, dude, there's a Loch Ness Monster. What do you oh mean? Oh, my gosh. What do you mean? Oh, my God. Dude, you could... Anything could get you, man. You know that Loch, the Loch Ness Monster supposedly is in Loch Ness, not in Lake Clinton. Could be anywhere. Okay. How do you Lake know? Lake Clinton. Have you Clinton ever been, Lake. Have you ever been down there? Do you Have you been to the bottom of Clinton mm, Lake? You I know what's not. down there? No, there was could like a anything. 50-something pound fish that was caught at Clinton Lake See, a week Exactly. Ago, right? That thing could eat your legs off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that's, that's a little too much. Uh, <laughs> we will talk plenty more KU football today on today's show uh we also have florida man mad libs coming up we got our ku mailbag coming up at the four o'clock hour how about dl david lawrence gonna join us at 3 40 on today's show um i guess peel the curtain back a little bit there are some uh uh scrimmages going on for ku basketball today and uh me and nick are gonna be out at that so uh we probably won't have a chance to react to that till tomorrow's show but um yeah that's how uh, that's going to work. I do have a uh, fun, I don't know, it might might not be fun. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think it's very fun. Okay. I think you should just go ahead and say it's not fun. Honestly, you could probably classify this into stupid, but guess what? It's the <laughs> off season, so deal with it. It's definitely not fun. Okay. I don't know where you got the idea that this was fun. Hypothetically, if Kevin McCuller got hurt this season, KU sitting on 10 scholarship players, I don't know, it doesn't really seem like they're going to add another impact player at this point in time. Again, we've said that both ways and been wrong, so we'll see. Um, would or should no, they're done? They're done. Would or should Michael Jankovic get minutes? Okay, so let's rewind. I guess the first clock. things first. Should Michael Jankovic or will Michael Jankovic possibly get minutes as is currently constructed without any injuries? Talking think, about a thinner team. I think uh, if if your freshmen coming in are end up being bad, then maybe yes. Like, is there a world where he is the eighth man? 
that he's ahead of oh, Jamar yeah. McDowell, Marcus oh, yeah. Adams. You I just bring so. him in. I think so. Five, ten minutes per game I think so. for three-point shooting. Yes. Well, okay, so let's rewind the clock back to last year. Last year, Bill Self, quote, this is a paraphrase. I don't remember exactly what he said. Paraphrase. We might need to get Jake in there for a few minutes the game to shoot some threes. Okay, that's basically what he said, right? That was last year, okay? On paper, last year's team at this point is maybe equivalent, maybe even a little better than the three-point shooting that you have on this year's team? Yes. You think so? Because you had Grady Dick last year. Yes, and Jalen Wilson. Yeah. And you don't know you don't know exactly what you're going to get with Kevin McCullough in terms of three-point three point shooting this year. I think the ceiling of this team is higher than where's la- where last year's was, but I think the floor is also lower. Okay, so if last year Bill Self was speaking out loud into existence the idea of possibly getting Jankovic on the floor, and this year you have objectively potentially a lower floor for three-point shooting than you did last year, wouldn't that lead you to believe that that means that Bill Self is probably thinking about it again this year and maybe looking at possibly if if – you know, if if Nick Timberlake struggles and Jamar McDowell and Marcus Adams both don't are both you know are having stuff tough starts to the season, is it that crazy to think that he gets out there? No, I don't think so. I mean, you look at Brock Cunningham, who's playing for Texas, and you know Brock's a little bit bigger than Jankovic. Is he, um, oh, by the way, is he is he a scholarship guy for Texas? Yeah, he is. Okay, but. It's the same idea. Like, I don't know, maybe Brock Cunningham is a better, like, rebounder and defender than Jankovic would be. I can tell you what Brock Cunningham is really good at is mm. being the scrappy, annoying dude that nobody likes. And then just hitting a random three on you, <laughs> you know? So, like, in that sense, it's not, like, that crazy. Is Michael Jankovic that different than Brock Cunningham? Probably not. Nah. Um. So, no, I, I don't think it would be. Maybe when we're having conversations about the rotation, like maybe there is a role for five to ten minutes for Jankovic from the three-point shooting. I don't expect it. Um, but, yeah, okay, going back to the first part of this question, though, what if Kevin McCuller does get hurt? And listen, Kevin McCuller has a yeah. pretty long and extensive track record of getting banged up. Right? Missed a couple I mean, games at KU, yeah. missed the Texas Southern game, missed some Big 12 tournament time with the back injury, That's missed over Texas 20 Tech. games yeah. in his three years at Texas Tech. So he has uh, a bit of a track record of, you know, having injuries crop up, which listen, you know, I, I, I don't, maybe track record is not the right phrase of saying it because it's not something that he can control, obviously, right? Like injuries, they happen. Uh, so, but it is something that you have to look at and say, okay, well, you know, can we guarantee that we're going to have a fully healthy Kevin McCuller for 40 games for KU? I don't know if you can really necessarily totally guarantee that. So there is, there could be a couple gamer here, there too, possibly potentially this season where you might not have him or you might not be at hundred percent. Right, I mean, even even if you go back to the Kentucky game, remember the Kentucky game, he was like hobbling around and but still played, but it was obviously hindering him, right? So there's varying levels to that, but but yeah, I mean, is it? it I mean, let's say you know Timberlake is shooting threes or whatever, but then Timberlake needs a five minute rest, but you still need that three point shooting component, and you can't trust Jamar McDowell, you can't trust Marcus Adams. What if you just throw Jankovic out there in Timberlake's place for four minutes? Sure. There you go. I mean, I mean, I think that if you get rid of Kevin McCuller from the rotation for a specific game, right, because of injury or whatever. Okay. So he's out. Yeah. Let's say you get, I don't know, because uh, wherever Jankovic is going to play, it's one through four. So I, I'm not really concerned about the five. Um, <laughs> obviously, the one doesn't matter. Dewan Harris getting, you know, 35 minutes per game. Yep. Let's say Arterio Morris and Omarco Jackson are each playing 25 minutes per game. 
right? Sure. Now you have 50 minutes. Uh, so that's 85 with Dwan. Let's say Nick Timberlake is getting 25 minutes, right? Yep. Now you're at 110 minutes. That still leaves you with 10 minutes at the one through three, and it leaves you with 40 minutes at the four. Let's say 25 of that goes to KJ. So now you have 25 minutes left, basically at the one through four, where you can push certain people down and, and whatever. Basically, just view it this way. You have 25 minutes to give out to some combination of um, Marcus Adams, Jamari McDowell, and Michael Jankovic. And if that's what you have left and you don't really have any besides McDowell, like I guess Adams is kind of a small forward who's a big forward who's going to play a four for you. Is there a chance that, that I mean, he plays? I Jank would be the three, probably, uh-huh. in that scenario. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's I, I, again, the biggest thing that I circle back to is just the fact that Bill Self, kind of somewhat unprompted, if I recall, brought up the idea of playing Jankovic last season. And, again, going into this season, your three-point shooting, at least on paper this season, is best equivalent to last season. Now, like you said, I think the upside is a lot higher, right? If Dewan Harris shoots well, if, if Hunter Dickinson shoots well on decent volume, Kevin McCuller could certainly increase his percentage. But right now, today, it's 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 at best equivalent to yeah. last year. And yeah. Bill Self was already talking about bringing him in last year, potentially. So that 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 means something, I think. Yeah. I, I, I will say, though, if Kevin McCuller does get hurt, I feel like it would mo- more so just be divvied up maybe the guards play a few extra minutes each maybe yeah, it's it more to be, McDowell maybe it's more to Marcus Adams it would just be it would if if Kevin McCullough did get hurt your starting lineup would just become Dewan Arterio slash El Marco Timberlake at the three yeah and then you go from there I think so maybe the better question then becomes what if Nick Timberlake get, gets injured that would be because that is the guy you're counting on <laughs> to be your knockdown three-point shooter <laughs> yes and if he were unavailable I mean, he's basically Grady Dick left. Right. Like, uh, because that's the thing. If, if Michael Jankovic, like, you're not asking him to do what Kevin McCuller does. If Kevin McCuller's injured, maybe you are going to Jamari McDowell because he can at least give you more, like, the defensive punch, for instance. Yeah. But if Nick Timberlake is injured, the more, like, comparison of just needing a three-point shooter would become Michael Jankovic. So maybe if Nick Timberlake gets injured, there is a real role for Michael Jankovic to play, you know, five minutes in a given game, and you hope that he can go two for two from three. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, but the okay, the issue with that though is what does Bill Self hate more than anything? He hates it when you get in a game and you just start jacking up threes. So would he would he be okay with that? I think so because I think at that point if you're playing Michael Jankovic, you understand the role is for him to get in and jack up threes <laughs> and do nothing else. It's the Jalen Coleman lands, it's the Brandon Green, it's the there have been certain players that yeah, they haven't been, you know, 30 minute per game guys, but the Bill Self has understood the impact, the importance of doing that. Okay. Okay, I don't know. I'm I'm just saying. Like, would he? I mean, is that something that he would be happy about? I think it would be a necessity at that point because, <laughs> like, if Nick Timberlake is out, it's hard to come up with how this team is a good three point shooting team. Yeah, I or guess. even if Nick Timberlake is his numbers dip this season compared to where he's been. Right. Right. Like, what if he? I think we had this conversation maybe last week or a couple weeks ago. If Nick Timberlake comes in and is shooting thirty five percent from three. You don't feel super great about that. No, you really don't. He's, he's supposed to be high 30s, low 40s, like high volume knockdown guy. Right. Well, and I, the whole crux of this idea has to come down to the basically base that Michael Jankovic is one of your best, if not the best three point shooters on the team. You know what I mean? Like maybe you yes. want to say Nick Timberlake's better or whatever. But that, From like a spot up standpoint. Yeah, yeah. That Jankovic is, you know, right up there with anybody in the spot up shooting. That he is 
of 40%. Which, listen, he, I mean, in the times that we've seen him, he's not a bad shooter. He has been. Yeah. <laughs> not a bad shooter at all. So, you know, he's. it's not like he, it's not like we don't know exactly whether or not he's like a good shooter or not. Like, he's he's gotten in and he's he's been a fine shooter. And again, like, like we, we haven't seen a walk-on be a actual player who's been a part of the rotation in a while. Clay Young was probably the last one, and that was for a brief period of time before they added, like, Silvio DeSosa. Probably before that, you got to go back to, like, Connor Tehan. But at least we have seen it before. I mean, yeah, Michael Jankovic shot 57% on uh, three-point shots last year. Again, that's in very limited sample. Yeah, and like, four of seven? You know, in garbage time. Um, He was, yeah, he was four of seven. Bang! First career, he's nine of twenty-two, Dude, which if is forty-one percent. That was a trivia question. I would have just nailed that. <laughs> yeah, you would have. So, I guess the short answer here is that no, I don't expect this to happen. But I do think it is a reasonable scenario to bring up because KU only has ten scholarship players. Yeah, you know, because of the fact that KU only has ten scholarship players, because of the fact that Kevin McCuller has a history of getting banged up occasionally, and because of the fact that you're. I mean, Timberlake is, I don't want to say he's an unknown quantity, but I mean, at this level he is. I mean, you expect him to be at a certain level three-point shooting-wise for KU, but if he if he dips or if he's, you know, if there's a bit of a transition period where he's not as good transitioning to that to the level of basketball that KU is going to play, like, yeah, it's. I think it's an interesting conversation that you yeah. could be open to. Yeah, and obviously, because- like I said, Bill Self was open to it last year. Right. What happens if, um, for instance, uh, Kevin McCullers injured a game, as we've mentioned, that happens. Um, what happens if in that same game the Kevin McCuller can't play? Dewan Harris gets in foul trouble. We saw Dewan get in foul trouble a, a good amount in the first half of the yeah, season. Yeah, well, right, uh, was the it the Tennessee game that he fouled out of? Tennessee game fouled out in like twenty minutes. Yeah. He had foul trouble against I don't know, was it like Indiana or something? He had a couple games in the non con where he got in a lot of foul trouble. So let's say that happens. And now you're play you're stretched more thin, you're playing Artario and El Marco more. And now all of a sudden you only have eight scholarship players, basically, because one's in foul trouble and one's injured. It's not like that unthinkable that we could see Michael Jankovic. Not, I'm not saying an everyday rotation <laughs> player, but that he could come into a game or two randomly because of a lack of players that this I mean, KU team has. If he's playing more than five minutes, that's that's bad. yeah, yeah. That's, I I don't that's think not, it would really exceed past that. That's not good. I'm just saying that the likelihood of a walk on actually playing real minutes for a KU team is a lot higher this year than it has been in probably a handful of years. Yes, Do you probably think it's not higher ideal this year than last year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, last year you had what, like thirteen scholarship players? Uh, I guess. Right. But I guess but you had last injuries. Year Bill Self was talking about it. You did. He was talking about it, and you had injuries at different points. But all those injuries were to the center position, which yes. that wasn't going to ever be where he played. Obviously, Dude, I do I think it's better this five year. Would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be I mean, sick. I mean I, I, listen, you just stretch no. five. Boom, Jankovic. That would be not good. Um, <laughs> at least, well, maybe it'd be good on the offensive end. But yeah, man. <laughs> so I, I guess you go off those comments last year. You, you say he has another year under his belt. You have less scholarship players. You have less three-point shooting. Yeah, it's it's a possibility. Not one that's super high up there, but one I thought uh, at least uh, deserved discussing a little bit. Yeah. All right, we're going to be joined by uh, David Lawrence. A couple DLs on this week. We had David Lesky on on Monday. Uh, David Lawrence will join us on today's show. Does anybody call you DJ? Yeah, I have a couple friends who call me DJ. I have a couple people who call me Deej, which is, you know, just put it together. <laughs> um, yeah, occasional. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so uh, DL will join us at about 3.40 to talk some KU football. We're going to have some uh, Jamari McDowell coming up in our next segment, talking more about him and, and a little audio from him meeting with the media over the weekend. We also have a KU mailbag 
uh, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. We'll have some Lance Leipold audio, getting to more of what he talked about yesterday. And then coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk uh, a little bit more KU football and get into some Florida Man Mad Libs to uh, kind of round out the show. There's some KU scrimmages going on today, so we'll kind of talk more about that on tomorrow's show. But anyway, uh, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by special guest David Lawrence from the Jayhawk Radio Network, who uh, I believe 10 weeks from this Friday You'll hear her on the call of the Jayhawk Radio Network for Kansas taking on Missouri State in the season opener. Uh, David, I, I do want to start here first. I, I know you can't talk about specific recruits or anything like that, but just in general, there is a wave of players committing to KU for the class of 2024, and um, it seems like there is quite the buzz right now around KU football, whether it's starting the year or for that upcoming class. Uh, but but something that I've been kind of talking about, like how important do you think, because I, I kind of put the moniker on it the other day, that I thought this year, this year might now be the most important year of the Lance Leipold's era, however long that is at KU, because as important as it was last year, it was still a bit of a surprise. And I think last year, if they would have won four or five games, people still would have been, you know, pleasantly uh, surprised with with the way that things were going there. But this year where you have an opportunity to take another step up, where you have an opportunity not to stake a, take a step backwards, and because of this, you know, all these recruits coming in and the buzz that you're building around the program, to keep that going forward, to keep guys from decommitting from the program. Uh, am I crazy to say that, that this could be the biggest year of the Lance Leipold era to, to kind of further establish that momentum as a program? Well, first of all, Great to be on with you, Derek. Um, happy summer, and isn't it great to be talking football in the middle of the summer? Yeah, it is. So um, I applaud all your listeners that are excited about football and the ones that have, you know, stayed true. Uh, but taking that first big leap um, when you're not building off and you're not recruiting and you're not winning uh, recruiting wars. Um, now we're winning those wars. And while I'll admit first that, you know, I don't, I kind of wait and see on recruiting because we know that a lot of people decommit. And of course now, you know, you got to re-recruit them every year. So they come, they have a great year. Now you got to recruit them again because, you know, the SEC wants to steal them from you. Uh, but if you look at the people that we are winning battles with, it's, it is how much different than just two years ago, right? I mean, two years ago, I mean, it was mid-majors we're winning battles with. And now, you know, we're beating out some SEC, some Big 12, you know, just power conferences for, for players. So it's, I mean, just everything's blowing up with football. And it'll have to continue to blow up, right? Because, you know, once you get to this level, everyone wants to take you down. And football is a really big deal to every Power Five institution and because it's millions and millions of dollars to, uh, you know, to get on television, to bring in revenue, and to compete for next year's top recruits. But it's, it's impressive, and, it, you know, it brings a smile to my face. They are doing battles with some big-time programs, programs that in the past had, uh, you know, it, it wasn't really a game with these 
these teams just a couple of years ago, and now you know we're winning recruiting wars. So that that's impressive. But yeah, every year is going to be a huge year because you know as we talked about last time, um, I think I was on with you. Uh, we're not going to sneak up on anyone, and you'd have to say, in all fairness, uh, not that they weren't trying everything they had, but mentally, uh, West Virginia and Houston didn't really know what they were getting into when they played Kansas last year, and that's not going to be the case for Illinois uh, when we line up here in Week 2. And I'm glad you brought that up because I I think it's a a very – uh, interesting part of the, uh, I, I guess, sports psychology part of it, of, of not being kind of forgotten and not being able to, like you said, sneak up on people or surprise people. And I think beyond that, uh, something that I'm curious about is not just from the standpoint of who you are as a program now and what you did last year, but also from the, the kind of offensive standpoint where KU came in and uh, you know, that first week of the season against Tennessee Tech, they ran kind of that speed, triple option, spread option, whatever you want to call it, maybe a play or two. And then they just kind of made that their primary offense in those upcoming games. And I think that, too, caught Houston and West Virginia and some of those early schools off guard. How much does that matter? How much does that matter that KU's maybe primary offense now teams and different opponents and schools will have the offseason to prep for it, to scout for it, and to get ready for exactly what KU is doing and not being able to you know, catch them off, off guard with some of their offensive scheme? Great question. Uh, but I think today now that everyone has analysts preparing weeks ahead for Kansas, you know, I think after the first three weeks, certainly after the first four weeks, um, people had – you know, diagnosis and seen this and prepared for us. So while be certainly it'll be different than how we began the season in the first month, I think you'd have to throw the Duke game out there as well because they had just kind of drilled us the year before and they weren't expecting anything of what they what they got when they came to Lawrence. Uh but 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 you know, I think the end of the year last year people, you know, had seen that and, and were able to even though you know, Kodo Nicky and every OC is going to, you know, change something up week to week. But, you know, our offense is just going to be a nightmare. And, you know, in a perfect world, you don't have injuries, and that's not going to be the case. But we do have some depth building up offensively. Uh, but, but our offense is just going to be a nightmare as we improve at every position we were a top 25 offense last year, and that's with J.D. missing a big chunk of the middle part of that season. Uh, it'll be impossible to stop us. You know, We don't play Georgia. Uh, that, that would probably be a mouthful if you, if you would just say that. We don't play Alabama. But, but I, th- I think the teams that we're going to line up against are really going to find it difficult to stop Kansas in scoring touchdowns and, and really uh, – putting up some yards and some numbers offensively. Is there a player on the offensive side of the ball? I mean, obviously, you know, Jalen Daniels kind of had his breakout last year, or heck, even when he uh, came in at the end of year one with Lance Leipold in uh, 2021. Uh, but is there is there a player on the offensive side of the ball that, that you think could and, and might just end up breaking out this season? Mm. Well, if, if we're going to say that Jalen Daniels already broke out, mm. which he did, but he's the most important. Right, I mean, Jason Bean won a Big 12 game. 
and not too many people can say that. So it's great that he is his back for another season. And you know how great it is it not to go out with the play that he had at the end of the last season. But but JD runs the show. I mean he is he is special. I you know and how great is it to play in a game when you go into it knowing that you have the best quarterback? You know and we've talked so much about reason. We've probably talked too much about reason, but we really haven't been able to say that much, you know, for about 14 years until last year. And, and, and that is significant. Um, I'm assuming that Daniel Hyshaw has already broke out because I love this kid. And of course I love Devin Neal. Uh, I love Tory Lachlan and not to just be over the top here, but Lachlan is the kid that winning teams have. He is the kid that will block his tail off. He can play multiple positions, and he's your best special teams player. And he's not going to pout, you know, when he doesn't get to carry the ball. And so, even though he's not going to be a headliner, he's not going to get not going to get a starting job. But Tory Lachlan's make teams great, and I, I really feel strong about that. Um, you know, Graham and Arnold are going to draw so much attention uh, that I think it's going to, you know, make it possible for Emilian or Trevor Wilson or Tanaka Scott to really have a breakout year, you know, because they've got to pay attention to Grimm and Arnold, which are elite receivers. Um, I mean, our, Trevor Cardell maybe, because, you know, he was banged up a little bit, but essentially the third tight end, is going to come in a little bit more of an unknown. So, you know, I think for breakout, um, and I'm assuming you, you don't want to go to offensive linemen, but uh, uh, Logan Brown, I think, is going to have a breakout year at tackle. Uh, but but def- defensively, I think the guy is Taiwan Berryhill. First of all, Taiwan Berryhill needs to have a breakout year. He has committed himself to the weight room. I asked him if I had to ask him who he was in spring ball last year because he looked so much bigger. He looked like a defensive end, but he's a linebacker that's got to come up. JB Brown, I think, will um, be our best transfer, making some noise. But I think Barry Hill and Brown at linebacker, uh, simply because we got to have them. And then who is going to be the guy that's going to be our sack leader? Um, because uh, Jeremy Robinson, and to me, it wouldn't be a breakout because this kid really broke out last year, but he's a defensive end. That'll be one of them. And maybe it's a Craig Young who has glimpses of um, being a big-time player, but he's got the capability of being a headliner. Uh, so so there's just some names of people that uh, need – and, and can take a big step up into stardom next season. And by the way, uh, you mentioned Logan Brown there. He is my uh, early favorite for first guy to come off the bus because that dude is gigantic. That is uh, intimidating when you see him kind of coming at you. So I, I know you're excited. And, and yeah, uh, specifically with that offensive line, it's not just Logan Brown. You add you know Spencer Lavelle. You have all these guys coming back like Dominic Pooney and Mike Nowitzki, uh, Bryce Cable do. Uh, you add Kobe Baines last year and, and those kind of – And I think that's a big off. one. Uh, pardon me for yeah. interrupting, but Kobe Baines, he came last year, but he literally came week one. And, and 
it wouldn't be fair to evaluate him. And I saw him in the spring. He looked much better. So I almost put him in there with Logan Brown as newcomers uh, to the offensive line. And that position group, we don't have to have, you know, um, double. I mean, we don't have to have 10 that are ready to go. And certainly elite teams do. But last year, I think we had really six, Derek, <laughs> one extra uh, cutting it close. Uh, I know we're going to gain by one or two. So we're going to have seven or eight, you know, Big 12 uh, offensive line. We've got more than that. We've got more than that that are players. But, I mean, you know, Big 12 ready to go out there and play against the big boys. Uh, we're we're going to have more depth the next season. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm very uh, interested to see how much the offensive line can can improve from already a good season from the year before with yeah, all that uh, all that talent. Um, you mentioned a couple breakout candidates on the defensive side of the ball, and as we look for the defense to get better, I'm curious how much just does continuity matter, right? I mean, obviously they, they have players they're replacing, like Lonnie Phelps, who might have been your best defensive player last year, but overall there's a lot of continuity back, uh, especially in, in kind of the back seven uh, for this team. How much does that matter to a defense that uh, typically from just a schematic standpoint is very much like, I don't know, kind of just you, you do your job. I, I remember talking to Brandon McAnderson about some of what the defense did back in the Orange Bowl year and how it wasn't this overly uh, complex schematic uh, type of defense that you're doing all these weird blitzes or you're mixing up coverage, that they were more so just about let's just do what we do Let's, you know, fundamental everything as best as possible, and we're going to make, you know, slight tweaks to what opponent we're playing that specific week. And I kind of get the sense that that's what Brian Borland is, is trying to do with this defense, that it's more of a, a simplicity but maximize that simplicity in what we're doing. So how much, how much does the continuity of just having a lot of players back, especially in the back seven with the linebackers and the DBs, how much does that matter and can possibly help them improve on that side that needs to improve this year for them to reach uh, kind of where they want to go? I think defensively, you know, particularly when you compare it to the Orange Bowl, we need some guys step forward that people have to cheat to stop. And I think we've got one there. Uh, and if you compare it to the Orange Bowl, they had one guy too. Different type of corner. Kobe Bryant, you know, is a different type of corner than Akib. But I think uh, Kobe can be just as effective in his own way. And I think he is going to allow our defense to, you know, have him lock down one side, maybe not needing as much help. But in in, in all fairness, you know, I love this group of kids because he came in with O.J. Burroughs and Melo Dodson, and they're in year three. And they weren't ready to play in year one, but they're better because they did. And I think that's what you need. Um, you know, someone like Gage Keys, we need some – you just can't – you know, say, hey, so-and-so is going to be James McClinton, our uh, nose tackle from uh, 07. Because James Clinton, uh, McClinton, we didn't really, I didn't know. I don't know that anyone really knew that our defensive ends weren't that good in 2007 until James McClinton left. <laughs> because <laughs> then quarterbacks weren't forced to run right in their hands, in their arms. Because that's what James did when he dominated the line of scrimmage in 07 
as he literally ran quarterbacks right into our defensive ends. And I'm not picking on our defensive ends, but what I'm saying is having someone so good that people have to cheat and he makes other people around him better. So we need, you know, some more, another guy like that. I think Kobe is one guy, but we'd be great to have someone up front. I mean, Jeremy Robinson certainly has a chance to get to that level. Gage Keys, I mentioned, he's an incoming transfer that I think has a, has a really good chance to be pretty special inside. Uh, but, but our defense needs to take a step up. Uh, I think they will. There's no one complacent about where they were last season. They're going to be much better. How much better is going to really depend on how many games we're going to win this season. But uh, I, I like the direction that they are going. Uh, linebacker is the place just because we really haven't had that big 12 level linebacking core for quite some time now. And I think we could get there, particularly in the uh, before mentioned Barry Hill and Craig Young and JB Brown and, and, uh, Rich Miller and Craig Young. I mean, those guys, you know, have a chance, but it, it's taken some steps. I mean, cause we were really down at the linebacker position and, you know, let's just be honest. But, but they'll need to get much, much better this season. We'll need to get a push and replace Phelps like you had mentioned earlier before. Yeah, and uh, it's it's funny you bring up James McClinton because, uh, you know, I, I feel like maybe most underrated player on that, that Orange Bowl team. Uh, Brandon McAnderson will tell stories about how he would just mess up practice because nobody could block him. So, uh, yeah, that's a good point. You don't have Lonnie Phelps this year. Who's going to kind of replace that guy? We'll see. Well, David, I appreciate the time, and, and thank you for coming on here. I know you're excited for uh, the start of football season here in a few months, and, and I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your summer, man. It's great to be on with you. Thanks for having me. Uh excited about football like everybody else. Next time we talk, we'll talk about how special teams can make this team special this season. I love that. I love that. A lot of room to grow and and a lot of improvements they've had, whether it's the kickers coming in or a new coach with a familiar name. David, I appreciate the time, man, and uh, yeah, talk to you down the road. Thanks, Derek. That was David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We have our KU mailbag coming up next. Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk, 4 o'clock hour here on KLWN. We're going to have uh, some Florida Man Mad Libs coming up in the 5 o'clock hour later in the show. Uh, later this hour, we'll get to uh, some of the best of what Lance Leipold had to say yesterday. We shared that audio, but we'll get to some of the more notable clips coming up later in the show. But right now, it is time for the favorite segment of one Nick Springer. That yes. That would be our KU yes. Mailbag. My favorite segment, KU Mailbag. Love the listeners. Thanks so much, everyone, for asking questions. And uh, yeah, I love this. I, lo- I love the segment. All right. Well, uh, we have uh, a good amount of questions in here. If we don't get to anything specifically, we apologize, and we'll get to it on a uh, later week of the mailbag. But I think we should be able to get to everything. All right. The first question in here comes from one Derek. That would be Derek Ho from our RCST trivia. Um, I guess situation or whatever you want to call it. Uh, he asks, who, "Who plays wait, more?" Wait, 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 I, wait, wait, wait. I just couldn't think of the word tournament. Is what I was looking for. You couldn't think of the word tournament. I just did. Really? Who plays wow. more minutes by the end of the year? Parker Brown, Jamari McDowell, or Marcus Adams Jr.? Okay, so obviously the boring, lame, no fun answer is Parker Brown. <laughs> okay, like that's the answer that is well, that's like, rude to him. 
<laughs> Why is he boring? No, 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 no. It's not rude. It's just that he's, it, it's, it, you know, that's the one that, that's not the flashy No, you, you think Parker Brown is a boring person. I don't think Parker Brown is boring at all. I'm just saying that's the boring answer. Okay. Okay. So then you have Jamar McDowell and Mark Adams. Now, Jamar McDowell is a guy that I don't really feel like we talked about that much over the course of this offseason so far, but he's kind of been getting some traction as like a guy that maybe could be a fringe rotation player. So I don't know. I know you've I know you've kind of turned the corner on him. You think he might be kind of good. Yeah, uh, we played the audio for you earlier today. Yeah. I kept harping on the idea that he kept talking about defense. Yes. And he kept talking about how you can make an impact no matter what you do on the basketball court if you play defense. And also, uh, Bill Self introduced him at the camp scrimmage last week as being a shooter. So he shoots well. <laughs> what does KU need? Shooting. He plays yeah. defense. What does Bill Self emphasize? <laughs> defense. Uh, what position is KU the most thin, or, or do they have the least of that position? Small yes. forward. Yes. Sounds like he could he could eke out okay. a role. So is that your answer? I, I guess so. By the end of the year, I don't know though. Because but dude, like I think, I mean, if I had to rank them one, two, three, I think one Parker Brown. Two Marcus mm. Adams, three Jamar McDowell. Wow. So I, I don't think that's crazy. Uh, it just depends how KU plays. Right, right? now. I mean, obviously it, it could change, but. Yeah. I mean, if, if KJ Adams and Hunter Dickinson are eating up all the center minutes, it becomes more difficult for Parker Brown. But what if KJ Adams is playing like all of his minutes at the four, and now Parker Brown yes. is playing, yes. you know, eight to ten minutes per game at the five, and maybe even and a few also, minutes at the four? Hypothetically, mm-hmm. if KJ Adams is playing all his minutes at the four, that's going to then take away opportunities from like Marcus Correct. Adams to play. Really. Correct. Or even Jamari McDowell. Yeah. And the thing with Jamari McDowell is it could be tough because he's more of a two or three, and there are already a limited amount of minutes that need to be go around need to be going around for Dewan Harris, Nick Timberlake, Arterio Morris, El Marco Jackson. That makes yes. it tough. I yes. think the scenario where you see Jamari McDowell play more is if Kevin is playing a lot of his minutes at the four. Which I, seems pretty unlikely, I think. Maybe. What if okay, here here's a minute scenario for you. Hunter Dickinson plays 30 at the 5. Sure. KJ plays the other 10 at the 5. Okay. Right? Okay. Now, <clears throat> Kevin McCuller plays 20 minutes per game at the 4. That okay. seems like a lot. Maybe. Maybe not. He played a lot of it last year. Uh, maybe not that much, but he did play a good amount. Um, but then, then that only leaves you 10 more minutes for KJ Adams. No, it would leave you 20 more minutes at the 4. Right? Oh, okay, yeah. So then you get, let's say, 15 of that goes to KJ Adams. Now KJ's playing 25 minutes a game between the four and the five. Okay. Kevin plays 10 other minutes at the three. Now you have 30 more minutes to give out at the three. You have five more minutes to give out at the four. So maybe that goes, I don't know, you have five more you want to give to KJ. You have five you want to give to Marcus Adams, Parker Brown, whatever. Um, but that gives you 30 minutes now to give it the three. And I would think a chunk of that goes to Jamari Probably McDowell. Or Nick Timberlake. Correct. Um, but Nick Timberlake might already be playing 25 minutes per game even before that that divvies in. So I, I don't know. I think there is an avenue basically for one of those three, though. I think what it comes down to is one of those three will be in the rotation. It's going to depend either on a couple things. One, how Bill Self wants to play. Does he want to play more big basketball, right? You could have Parker Brown in there. Does he want to play with uh, how he's been playing more recently where you have kind of a bigger wing at the four, because that would be Marcus Adams, or does he want to play with that traditional 3 and D wing that he thinks would help him out the most? And I think just in terms of fit, because I think that Marcus Adams could end up being the best player of that group of three. Yes. Well, Down the road Parker at some Brown's point. not going to be the best one. Yeah, sure. But like, I think Marcus <laughs> Adams has the, the highest potential, sure. and I think might be the best overall player. He might be the best scorer of that group. But when you just look at fit, if you're coming in to be an eighth man on a team, you're not necessarily coming in because of your best potential or because you're the best scorer. You're coming in probably to fit a certain role sure. because you do certain things well. And I kind of think that Jamari McDowell 
is going to be the best specific role player for that specific role? My answer is Parker Brown. Okay, so my, I'm actually I'm gonna I'm gonna go the complete opposite sort of a view. I'm going okay. McDowell one, Adams two, and Brown three. But there to me there is very much a case that because Marcus Adams might just be the best player there, um, that what if he just is so much better that it's know, like man. we have I, to get him minutes. I feel you know? pretty confident that you're going to see Diggison at the five and KJ at the four for the majority of the time. That means that you're going to be seeing probably more Parker Brown than the other two guys, I think. And also, let's say maybe by the end of the year, Adams and McDowell are playing more, but if Parker Brown plays a lot at the beginning of the year, Derek's question was who plays the most at minutes. The end. No, it's at the end. He said by the end of the year. Oh, by the end. So he's year. talking like by the end. But he's not saying total minutes of the over the course of the season. I don't think so. I think okay. he's saying like once you know push comes to shove. Once we get to okay. the postseason, right, the right, important right, part fine, of it. Fine, fine. I do think regardless of who it is, it's probably somewhere between eight to fifteen minutes a game. Yeah, like I mean that's not going to be overly much. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Okay, this one from Jeshua. Uh, if a Kansas football recruit had to do a photo op with a car that you've owned, which car would you pick to get the best chance of a commitment? Okay, so this is a pretty easy answer for me. I've only had I've only driven two cars in my life. The first one was a old, beat up, hail damaged, destroyed 05 Mazda 3. Okay, so here's what happened. My mom, it was actually my mom's car. My mom drove that car. She drove it, or she got stuck in a hailstorm, a really bad hailstorm when we lived in Wichita, and it got like just absolutely obliterated. Like literally the insurance company was like, this car is totaled. It would cost more to fix all the hail damage you have on it than it would be than the car is worth. Okay. So like, I mean like it's it's it looks like a golf ball. Okay. It's got hail damage. It's just dented up everywhere. Okay. That happened around the time that I was like 14 years old. So my parents bought my mom a new car and then they were like, oh well you young Nick, you're gonna need a car because you're gonna start driving because you're 14, 15 years old. And so they just gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And so I drove that car for like 10 years. And then very recently, about eight months ago, I got a new car, a nice silver Volkswagen, little four-door sedan Volkswagen. So that would be the car that I would obviously pick because it's new and it's not, doesn't look terrible. Okay. That's that's fair. I do think it would oh, be funny well, if you had a hail-damaged car in the, the photo <laughs> Well, maybe. I don't know. But then also... I, maybe this is kind of an interesting spin zone as to why you would use it. My old hail damaged car, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, I jumped on top of it and smashed the roof in even more. Why would actually. you do that? I was excited that the Chiefs won the Super so Bowl. So you jumped on your car? Oh my gosh. Yes. But no, that could be good because during the photo <laughs> shoot, the recruit could do whatever they wanted to the car. I so don't you're care. saying basically you could bring out like a sledgehammer for the recruit yes. and they could just hit the car. Yes. And absolutely. they could do some awesome photos yes, of They just could jump on top of it. They could stand on the roof. They could stand on the hood. They could do whatever they want. Yeah. So that might actually be a case okay. for picking that car. Okay. Um, let's see. So I, I've had three cars here. So the current one I'm on is, is just like a little Ford Focus. So we're not going to pick that. That's that's not going to do well <laughs> with the recruits. Um, let's see. Hey, that's uh, good gas mileage. Yeah, that's true. But I don't think the recruits care about that. Also, a lot of them might not even fit in the car. It's a small car. Um, let's see. The past car before that was like a Ford Escape. Okay. Which, that would be okay. Yeah. It was a used Ford Escape. The funny part about that one is it was an old rental car like a progress so you could see because they used oh. to have the progressive sign on the top you okay. know like the sticker and sure. they took it off before they sold it but that part was like more clean 
And because there was a sticker on it than the other. So you could still like read the outline of progressive <laughs> funny story. I actually, when I first got the car, uh, we bought it in California where my aunt worked at a dealership, got a good deal on it. And I had to drive it back to Kansas and we got pulled over as me and my friend oh. in Utah. We were going like five over, didn't get a speeding ticket, pulled over because they thought we stole a rental car. Uh, so anyway, that would be funny to see. Because you stole the, the car and ripped the sign off. Right, right. That would okay, be funny yeah. to see like the progressive thing on there. But yeah, that's not an option. I think I just have one option and it's the first car I ever had, which was technically my parents' car, but they let me use it during high school uh, once I got my my license and then eventually once I got to freshman year of college I didn't have a car out here sophomore year me and my dad drove the car out and I ended up being able to use the car and everything it was a Ford Expedition so big car oh yeah you know that's great you can yeah. fit a bunch of people in the car they can fit a bunch of their teammates has the DVD player in the back I would love to see the photo shoot with like a player watching like you know little <laughs> DVD on the four inch TV screen or whatever I think that'd be great okay there you go okay. so they can they can destroy my car and then they can go watch a <laughs> they can go watch a movie in the back of your car <laughs> okay this one from uh, Kyle who has multiple questions more wins 2023 Kansas City Royals or 2023 KU football plus KU basketball. Okay, so let's so so the football KU, over under six and a half. Yeah, so let's, just let's call say they win seven games. Sure, we'll seven. say seven. That's fine. And KU basketball wins thirty-one games. Mm -hmm. Is that reasonable? Thirty I think games. So. Yeah, sure. Okay, thirty-one games. So that's thirty-eight. Mm -hmm. Thirty-eight wins. If the Royals don't get thirty-eight wins. They need know, to. They need to. They need to disband the franchise. But that's very. I think that's almost more likely that they don't get 38 wins from. What do you mean? Or no, I guess it's not. is it from here on? Oh, the 2023 Royals overall. I was thinking from here oh, on. Yeah, if it's overall. I was from here oh, on. Okay, from here on, then it from might be. It could be. Yeah. Because think the, about the it. The KU play, football. So, by the way, the, the A's won last night, and now the Royals do have a worse record than them. They're yeah, because the Royals are 18 and 50, 18 and 49. 18, 18 and 49. 49. They're on pace for one of the so they worst have, five but, records ever. But think about it. The Royals The Royals still have, uh, so they're 13 and 49. They, yeah. still have, they still have, what, like 80 games left? Something like that. 90 games left? But that means they got to play close to 500. Think about it this way. If they win 38 more games... No, but that's what I'm saying. So, like, if we're looking at it overall, obviously the Royals are going to eclipse 39 wins. Or 39 Correct. wins. But if we're looking at it from this point, from today, mm -hmm. moving forward, it's not a guarantee. No, because if they win 38 games from here on, that would mean they win 56 for the season. That would mean they go 56 and 106. With the trend they're pacing on now, it feels like they're going to lose more they're than that. They're pacing right? to lose, like, 115 games. Uh, more than that. So, I mean... Because what, 18 and 49, you double it up, they're 36 and 98. But isn't the worst record in all of baseball ever, like 120 losses? Yeah, there was a Tigers team that was really, really bad in there. <laughs> um, I mean, they've uh, they've lost nine of their last <laughs> ten. This is just a very bad baseball team, obviously. Um, yeah, their winning percentage, if you multiply it into a 162-game season, is only 43 and a half right now. I don't know if you saw uh, Jesse Newell. So it actually Newell, might be close. Jesse Newell put together a Twitter thread this morning, actually, and part of it included the the Royals. In, this, like Fangraphs has like a stat where it's like played appearances and like, quote-unquote, like clutch moments or like important moments in the game. The Royals' batting average in those at-bats is 141. Oh, my gosh. Okay, actually, so there's so Jesse Newell claimed that they were the that the Royals might be the most unclutch team of all time. <laughs> That's great. Anti-clutch. That's great. Um, the so more I really think bad. about it, this actually does have a chance of hitting, even if we don't go based on just from now on. Again, the Royals no, are on a pace. They're going to win I just more calculated. than 38 games. No, but I just calculated. They're it. They're not going to go 20 well, and on, 70 the rest of the way. I just calculated it. They're on pace for 43 wins. That's what their pace is for right now. Could you they're, get they're 43? Get 43 wins. Out of KU football, what if KU football wins eight? What if KU basketball wins thirty-five? Like they win the national title, and right. they get thirty-six wins. Yeah. 
I'm still, I'm, I'm still, the Royals, I have faith in the Royals to win more than that. Okay. They're, there's more games, which means they have more chances to win. Or lose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this uh, other one from Kyle. Is there a KU basketball player you could, you were convinced would be a great pro and just wasn't? You could also flip that over and say who were you convinced wouldn't be a good pro and then ended up maybe playing a long time or, or being a good hmm. pro. And then is there somebody you were just absolutely right about? Um... In terms of playing in the NBA, uh, I feel like I was pretty right by Andrew Wiggins. Like, I thought he would be, like, pretty good, but not, like, one of the top players yeah. in the league, but, like, a really, really solid player. So I, I felt like I was pretty right that. I mean, like I was I mean right to that, that notion, one. I feel very right that I thought Joel Embiid would be better than Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And that's been the case. Yeah. I thought Embiid would be very special. And, he, I mean, he just won MVP, yeah. right? Yeah. So I feel right about that. Uh, somebody wrong about being good. I thought Josh uh, Jackson was going to be really good in the NBA. Yeah. You're talking about an athletic wing. Like, that's where that usually plays in the NBA. It just didn't work out. Uh, now some, you know, stuff has, has gone around him, too, which hasn't been great. Uh, I thought Devontae would be better. Mm. I mean, he was an early second round pick. Yeah, I think he's done very well for himself. He's done I very mean, well, money wise. Yes. He's made over fifty million dollars, right? Yes. I don't know. I thought. He, I don't know. I just maybe just because I love him. I well, I, I thought that. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily think like Frank Mason was going to be a star. Or, you know, going to be an all star or anything. I thought Frank Mason would stick in the NBA. I thought he could be like a, a ten year vet just because of his his want to, his passion, his work ethic, all that stuff. Okay, here's an interesting one. What mm. about Marcus Garrett? What did you think about Marcus Garrett? I'll be honest, I thought Marcus Garrett was, especially once he wound up with the Heat, we've seen what they've done with undrafted players. I thought that Marcus Garrett would be a guy that could stick in the NBA for a handful of seasons just because of the utility nature of his versatility and his defense. Yeah. And maybe that's still there. Like, I could see Marcus Garrett being one of those guys like a P.J. Tucker who he played overseas for a few years, then he resurfaced in the NBA, fit into a certain role, and now he's been in the NBA forever. Like, I'm still not counting out Marcus Garrett. But, yeah, I thought he'd be a useful guy for a while. Um, Honestly, somebody I I was wrong about that I didn't think would do much and and now actually has had a a better NBA career than I would have thought. I know it hasn't been like a sparkling NBA career or anything, but uh, Sheck Diallo. I mean, after okay, the season yeah. he had where he's not yeah. even playing come tournament yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't even expect him to do no. anything, really. And then he's an early second-round draft pick, and he earned a, a second contract um, in the NBA. That's crazy. He's still only 26 years old. That sounds wrong. Wow. That is um, insane. I don't know if he was on a team this past year, but, I mean, he's he's made over $5 million in his career. I would honestly throw Tarek Black in that discussion, too. Like, I didn't think yeah. Tarek Black would make, because he's made three, four, five million dollars in his NBA career, too. I thought he'd be like an overseas guy, so those would be guys that uh, are probably wrong about. Uh, somebody else that, I don't know, this one might be too early to tell. I kind of thought that Christian Brown was going to have a better pro career than Ochai Agbaji. Okay. That's one year, so too early yeah. to tell. But Christian Brown he's got an NBA title. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this one from uh, Garrett. Top five Kansas City barbecue joints. We've gotten this question a couple times recently. We have. So. People love their barbecue. Yeah. Uh, so I think one for me, if I recall last time we had a discussion, one for me is Harps. Harp barbecue. Yep. That's number one. I really like Slaps. That's also up there. And I really like Chef J. So those are my probably my top three. Uh, and then after that, I feel like it's I could kind of interchange out a couple different ones. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll go uh, one Chef J... Two Q39, three. Q39 is too bougie for me. Okay, that's fine. Uh, three would probably be harps. Four and five would be. I don't, I don't know which order I would go and which one specifically I would go. You don't like slaps? But no, it, it'd be in there. But oh, that's okay. what I'm saying. I don't know where I'd rank them uh, because it's very close for me between like slaps. 
Um, Gates. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Gates. Gates um, is pretty good. Charbar is honestly really good. That might go up there, too. I don't even think I've ever even had that one. Yeah. So, I don't know. There, there's a lot of good ones, though. The, but those, in some order, would probably be my top six. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I think last time we had a discussion, you made a good point about, like, it just kind of depends yeah, on your vibe. Mm-hmm. It just kind of depends on you what you're ribs, feeling that like day. Slaps would be my favorite yes. for ribs. Yeah. Or like, I want if, the if, you know, if you're trying, to, if you're to, trying to get right. down and dirty and get messy, or like yeah. if you're trying to, you know, whatever, it, that 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 determines what's the best place for you. Sure. And there's still a lot of places I haven't even gone that that I still need to uh, make it out to. Um, okay, this one from Larry. Our last question: Who's a player from each of the past four football classes who could break out this year? Each of the past four football classes? Yes. Wow. First so of all, that's, I, that's testing re- my knowledge, first of all. Well, okay, so I have the, the class of uh, 2020 in front of me, but if okay. it's breakout, it can't be somebody who already broke out. Like already Kobe Bryant, a, yeah. right? Like yeah. uh, Lawrence Arnold, like, I don't know. Maybe you could say Lawrence Arnold breaks out another step further from being a good receiver yeah. to being all-conference yeah, or something. Like a, yeah. I do think he's due for a really big year, so I don't know. Maybe that would be somebody... Uh, here's other guys in that class. Deuce Mayberry, obviously not in the team anymore. Same with Krishan Brown. Taiwan Berryhill. Could he have a breakout year? Yeah. Um, let's see. We got Will Huggins. I think I've always been high on Will Huggins eventually breaking out, but I just I don't know the avenue there because there's not going to be a lot of playing time available at tight end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. Who else we got? Trevor Cardell. He could break out. Maybe he could have a tight breakout, end, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Cron- I think Prunty it felt no like Cardell was, was going to break out last year. And yeah. Then he kind of. Didn't really, yeah. I guess. So I mean, Fairchild and Casey were just too yeah, good, exactly. I, I feel like. But maybe, you know, maybe this year. Yeah. Maybe this or Marjorie Adams. Like, maybe he becomes a starting guard if he can win out the competition. That might be a breakout. But I don't know if he will yeah, uh, I mean, win that job. Dominic Pooney's going to be tough, that. yeah. He's got, got that Pooney, down, you like. got, um, I guess, Michael Ford might play on the interior. You could play uh, the, the Cal transfer, Lavelle. Uh, Melo Dotson was part of that class. Oh, Daniel Hyshaw, Luke Grimm. Okay, yeah. Luke good Grimm. ones. Jalen Daniels. Grimm. Obviously, he kind of had his breakout last year. but <laughs> Okay, but if he wins the Heisman, that's sure. a breakout. Yeah, yeah, it is. Bryce Cable do. <laughs> that's the one I would go with. Because I Bryce think, Cable do? I think with Daniels, like, you're right. If he wins Heisman, that is a breakout from a previous breakout year. <laughs> it is, right? Or if you're first-team All-American or whatever. Yes. Like, I think Luke Graham and Daniel Hyshaw and Lawrence Arnold, like, they can well, go like, from being good you know, to even better. Yeah, like, with Daniel Hyshaw, it'd be tough because, like, Let's say he has a really great year, but could you call that a breakout? Because he kind of broke out last yeah, year, exactly. but then he got hurt. Right? Exactly. So it's like, eh. I think Cable Do's the one for me. I've kind of been eyeing Cable Do since he played probably too early in his career just because he, it was necessity. And he didn't have a great year last year. He kind of struggled up and down. I think he's improved some this year. I could see him having a, a breakout year. That would be the one I'd go for in uh, class of 2020. Okay. So 2021. Let's see, who did you have from that one? Yeah, let's see. Uh, 2021, you got Devin Neal that, you know, can't really break out there. OJ Burroughs, could he go from being, you know, a solid yeah. starter to being yeah. an all-conference I like player? A, I like that selection, okay. actually. Quite uh, a bit. Here, here's an easy one. DJ Withers, he's gone from being somebody who hasn't been in the D-tackle rotation because they've just had upperclassmen. Yeah, that's true. They've, they have a lot of, of guys that are D-tackles that have spent a couple years in the program that feel like they're ready to take the next step. Yeah. Jason Gilliam, he's now the backup hawk to... Uh, to Craig Young. Yeah. we. I really enjoyed talking with him earlier this spring. I think he has a chance to maybe get more playing time. Uh, Tommy Dunn, that's probably the go-to one. Because yeah, the same, cause same ilk to be, as DJ Withers, but yeah, it seems but like Dunn might start. Yes. Yeah, he seems to be more in line for actually a sizable role. Yeah. And then the other one could be, uh, I guess, Ben Easters, if you think he's going to you know, take off now <laughs> that he's the third-string quarterback, or Tanaka Scott. Oh, I actually like Tanaka Scott okay. a lot because... 
that's a guy that we heard so much about in the preseason last year, and then unfortunately had that incident with the you know the allegedly the gas whatever, station pulling gun a gun on stuff, somebody, yeah. and that seemed to kind of derail or set back his season quite a bit. So if he comes into this fall and you know keeps his nose clean and does everything, does all the right yeah. stuff, he's a guy that I think clearly the staff believes in from a oh, physical, sure. from a physical standpoint. So yeah, that to might be, be clear my, with that Scott, might be my pick. he had less on it than the Trevor Wilson. Like I don't yeah. know that Scott actually had like a gun thing. I yeah, think he I was just yeah. there with Wilson. But I, yeah, I, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. I, I think uh, for me, I'd, I'd go with uh, Tommy Dunn. Okay, this is from the class of 2022, Brian Dilworth, um, who I think also goes by BJ. I could be wrong with that. Um, let's see who else could break out. Davion Westmore. Well, he's a JUCO train, but I guess still class. Um, I don't know. I've I've seen him kind of rotating in on, on maybe the two deep here and there. Uh, Tavina Noah. I don't think there's a playing time there. Tight end. Yeah. Let's see Mason yeah. Ellis, Dean Miller, Jalen Die. We heard a lot about him. That tight end room is just a log jam. It is with really great players. Yeah. Alex Reich. Uh, maybe you see him a little bit uh, as kind of a special teams guy and a, a backup linebacker. I think Jalen Die might be one of the answers, but yeah, he's not going to be a starter. You have you have all those safeties in front of him, even though he did well in the spring. I think the answer has to be. To me, Brian Dilworth. Um, he was your top high school recruit coming in in that class. Redshirted this past year, and yes, it's going to be hard to get playing time uh, because you have you know your three returning starters with Kobe Bryant, Melo Dotson, and Kalen Gervin. You also have Demarius McGee coming in, a transfer from LSU. But I think he's he's probably the fifth corner in that situation. He's either fourth or fifth in that scenario. And like there are going to be times where you do get a fourth or fifth corner out there, whether it's oh, yeah. you know rotating guy in, subbing him in, or just the package. Like they have a bunch of receivers out there. If there's an injury to one of the guys in front of you, yeah. I could see him kind of being a breakout player. Yeah, I mean, Kobe Bryant suffered an injury last year, right? So yeah. there is probably the most opportunity for him to potentially get involved. Yeah. And then uh, 2023, it's hard to say somebody's going to break out. We haven't yeah, seen him play. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I fully want to address that one, but um, I guess if I'm picking someone, uh, we talked to Kevin about which freshman could have the biggest impact. Johnny Thompson makes the most sense just because there were injuries to the, the running back position. If I want somebody else just to throw a different name out there, how about Siraz Buncombe or Jared Sample? Uh, maybe there is an opening for like who could be the sixth receiver for KU or something like that. Like yeah. if we have the three returning starters back, you mentioned Tanaka Scott, um, potentially maybe your number five, maybe you have Douglas Emelian in your top five too. I don't know. There's also Kevin Terry. Well, does, there's, doesn't Buncombe have good speed? Doesn't yeah, exactly. Well, it, Sample's the guy who's like the, the burner. So oh, maybe okay, he okay. could be a guy that like, he's not always well, in there, and then listen, but he's in there for a certain role. He KU a deep doesn't, balls. they haven't even sorted out their kick and punt return situation right. yet, I don't think. That's so maybe, maybe there's an impact potential That's a good there. point. That's a good point. With Buncombe, he's a freshman who was uh, one of your top 50 ever recruited freshmen coming in, and he came in early and joined for spring ball, so maybe he can you know carve out at least a, a little bit of a role. So those would be the names that uh, I would go with there. Uh, that is our KU Mailbag for the week. Thank you to everybody for submitting questions. You can submit questions, honestly, whenever. We send out a tweet for it, usually yeah. early in the week, but DM us, hit us up, reply, whatever, at RCST1320 on Twitter. All right, with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We played for you yesterday, Lance Leipold speaking with the media. Uh, I wanted to kind of go over some of the more notable clips from his press conference. The first one is is kind of the, you know, with, with the defense 
it's funny at Buffalo, a lot of times the defense was maybe even better than the offense with with Brian Borland. But it's been the opposite so far here at KU with Andy Kotelnicki taking off, the offense taking off. Part of that's personnel related, as you would imagine, having Jalen Daniels and, and some of these other talented players. But the defense is, is still trying to kind of catch up there. And uh, that's something Lance Leipold talked about on kind of constructing that defense and how at the very start they were kind of behind with losing three important starters and having some scheme changes and all that different stuff. Here is uh, Lance Leipold. You know, offensively, we've taken big jumps early. You know, defensively, that hasn't happened, and, and we and we know that within the walls, and I think we've done that with some things in recruiting. I, I don't want to sit there and live in the past, but we have to remember that besides uh, the attrition that happened in this program before our arrival in the first, essentially the first week of being here, we had three defensive starters decide to leave. Besides changing scheme, those are some big dents that, that we're still working to... Yeah, we, we were able to get, you know, Lonnie and a guy like Craig Young and some guys, but it, it's those are those are things that can sometimes set you back a little bit uh, through its transition. Um, this group, this defense has just gone through only its its second spring ball, and and I think when you um, when you look at some of those things, there's there's good and then there's plenty to approve upon. Um, just like anything on both sides of the ball, it starts up front, you know, and uh, we know uh, um, we've continued to recruit, uh, you know, we've we, we've had some graduations and, and things like that up front and and we we intend to be better and it starts there. We're more experienced and deeper at linebacker. I think we're 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 more athletic. I think a guy, um, you know, Taiwan Berryhill continues to get experience and this type of athlete that I think is a guy that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Um, J.B. Brown's a guy that's going to add to that and, and a lot of those things that, that can help us. And, of course, with the whole secondary returning, you, you hope you can, A, stay healthy back there and, B, continue to grow with confidence that allows us to do things as we as we kind of grow up front. All right, so kind of talking about that, that's uh, certainly, I don't know, it's, it's, it makes sense. The hope is that you can start to catch up this year. Yeah, well, and listen, we talked about it. I mean, if the KU defense is average in the Big 12, so if they are 8th or in the Big 12 or 7th in the Big 12, you feel like that's good enough to, for KU to win 8 games maybe, right, mm-hmm. with, with, how, with how you expect the offense to go. Now, where, where you get into a concerning conversation is if, well, what if the offense isn't on the same caliber as they were last year or they maybe they regressed a little bit or whatever, then it's like, okay, well, you kind of look at the defense and you you kind of need them to be in the top 10. I think if you're not in the bottom three or four of the Big 12, if you're the defense this year, that's a W, right? Would you agree with that? I think so, yeah. I mean, if you if you can be a top five offense and even like the 10th best defense. Yeah, exactly. And you're like ninth or 10th in defense. That's probably that's a seven or eight win team. That's right? pretty good, yeah. And then if you can even be, just be middle of the pack on defense, maybe you can get to eight or nine wins, especially exactly. if you can be like top three on offense, right? Exactly. Yeah, so yeah that, that, that's very good now. Now, now obviously, KU is having all sorts of success lately with uh, their recruiting. Just commitments popping up left and right. You seemingly, every minute of the day, you, you check something and there's a new commit for uh, KU. Uh, and Lance Leipel talked about, he can't talk about the specific recruits just yet or the commits until they actually like sign their national letter of intent. But he did talk about kind of the recruiting ins and outs, what goes into it, and why kind of they are being so successful right now. We had 12 um, prospects on campus, and, 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 you know, everyone has a student host. We had student hosts that were 
you know, seniors, and we had, we had some student hosts that have been, you know, one that was on campus, you know, 12 days or so, you know, and, and um, so there's, there's a, it's, it's kind of a, we look for matches for um, a lot of different ways, but the cool thing about it to me is everyone's got a little different story. And, and what their experience and, and where that is, for whether it be short term, one semester, two weeks, or, or multiple years. And I, and I think that's the nice thing that uh, not just for the player, but for his parents to see. And because and, that's when they get the chance to sit down, have a meal, ask questions. What's the biggest thing? What do they like? What do they see? What has changed? And, uh, you know, the. You know, one of the more fulfilling things I get, Matt, as a head coach is when I sit down with a family at the end of the visit and they talk about our, our staff and their experience. And they talk about the transparency, the honesty, the consistency in answers that we give people. And it's not rehearsed. And, and the nice thing, because the ones that are watching and really paying attention know that's not true across the board. And, and when people want to dive into this program and they're going to look at its foundational components, but where it's going and how we've done it at other places has been about that. And, it's, and that's why, uh, you know, because a lot of times in recruiting, people are telling everybody what they want to hear. Let's face it. And, and, and we're talking about, yeah, this, but this is how you're going to get there. And the other things that we have, we have some very good things and we have some things that we have to improve upon. But we don't hide from that. And many times when we look at stability of our staff and what we've done, because we talk about that, we expect that staff to be there for the whole experience. Where other places, it's probably a guy that's stopping in for a cup of coffee. So you heard him at the end there kind of talking about the transparency that they give, that they're super honest with these recruits, whether for good or, or worse. And that's just helpful in a recruiting landscape where you probably do if you're a high school kid encounter a lot of kind of like more sleazy people or people that are kind of <laughs> shady right and you don't get that with Kansas you get consistent messages yeah. you get a whole a wholesome uh staff that does care about you and, and is just you know yeah the, the biggest thing that I remember from these types of conversations with with Lance Leipold is that Lance Leipold's been clear pretty much since he got here when it came to recruiting that he is not going, he and his staff, they are not going to guarantee recruits anything when they come to KU. Nothing is guaranteed. Everything is earned, right? You're not going to, nobody's going to guarantee you X amount of playing time. Nobody's going to guarantee you whatever else you might need. Everything, everything has to be earned. And when you have that message and you have that philosophy, what that does is, from a coaching standpoint, from Lance Leipold's standpoint, that weeds out maybe the guys that aren't as committed or aren't or are looking for more cushy situations that they're not going to find at KU because at KU you're going to have to really, really, truly earn whatever you get here at KU. And, and you know, that's a that's a powerful recruiting message that clearly has resonated with a lot of players because you're seeing a lot of players come in and say, yeah, hey, we want to be a part. We want to be a part of the next great run for KU football. And that's something really special. And that's something really cool that uh, I think this coaching staff certainly has to be excited about that they are getting so many recruits that, are clearly receptive to their messaging and are clearly invested in committing to KU and then making a difference. And then the last uh, kind of, I guess, key clip from the press conference yesterday to me was was more talking about the Friday games. We, we've kind of talked ad nauseum about this, but uh, here is Lance Leipold's explanation for what's going down the first two weeks. You know, they they kind of went hand in hand. Uh, obviously, uh, opportunity for us to to have exposure on a Friday night against a Big Ten opponent was something that uh, that I feel is is uh, you know 
for our brand, our recruiting, all that. Uh, Fridays are tough, but uh, you know, I like them both. I like them both for different reasons. Um, again, uh, I know we get into the high school football part of things, which is tough. Um, in today's uh, world of where it's going and TV contracts and that, uh, you, you're starting to see it. Friday night college games are going to be more and more frequently. That's just what it's going to be. And uh, um, just like I'm sure there's times where I know it's not always convenient for our, for our fan base and where it's at and there's conflicts, just like I'm sure it's not always easy to drive to Lawrence on a Monday night for a basketball game. But I, I know we need our fans there. I think it's exciting. I think it's for our fans nationally that we have a chance to be, if not the only game, one of two games versus uh, being buried in, in, a, in a group of like 30 games at, at one time. And, and when those opportunities come, you have to holistically make decisions um, that, that are, are not just the immediate, but for our, our program's future. And I think, uh, you know, you know, Travis and Chancellor, you know, see that as well in, in what we can do. Um, part of that was moving the Thursday opener back to Friday in, in a way of, of, you know, days and weeks of preparation. So, um, you know, I was, I was excited about the Thursday, um, but again, the, the Friday will, will be fine as well. Um, the challenging one, to be quite honest, guys, is, is, is the night game, the third one, and the travel time back to get back here. That's the one we're, we're struggling the most with that is uncharted. Um, you know, for us, a little bit as, as far as some of that goes and in, in working through that. But to have seven home games and open those, um, we, we did. I know Travis and Colin Sexton, had, you know, reached out to our two local high schools and tried to talk about ways to do it. and. And, and other opportunities that we presented to them, and hopefully it was early enough. Um, you know I, know, I know it's not always popular, but I know there, there's high school games on Thursdays, there's high school games on Saturdays if schools don't have lights. I've seen it across the board, and, and hopefully we can uh, get out in front of these things when they present themselves that those schools may have the ability to ad ad adapt schedules and work that everyone benefits from it to their, to their best. and, and, and uh, and we work from there. I think that's it. I mean, you, you kind of talked about it the other day. I think yeah. you hit the nail on the head. Him basically saying that we had to, you know, basically uh, change things up in, in terms of the time between games to allow for the Friday Illinois game. And they yep. view that as being a positive. It is funny because I did by, you know, being there and, and listening to him talk about that. It did not seem like he was happy <laughs> having to give up the first game being on Thursday. I don't think it's a matter of like it's a gigantic deal for him being Thursday or Friday. I think they just wanted the extra days of prep to get ready for the Illinois game. Yeah. And from that standpoint, he's not totally happy about that. But I think he is happy about the second game being on Friday. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes total sense, right? Clearly, KU was dedicated and committed to putting that game against Illinois in a slot where there was going to be more eyes on it in prime time. And they were willing to sacrifice moving their Missouri State game. Which, again, I think this makes sense from both parties. I talked about it a little bit earlier in this week, where if from the Illinois perspective... If you're going to move the KU game up a day, KU was already going to play the Missouri State on Thursday, so that KU was going to get two extra days of rest, and Illinois was going to be t losing a day of rest because their game against Toledo to open their season is on Saturday. So from Illinois' perspective, they're like, well, wait a minute. We need to level the playing field here somehow. You guys need to move back your Missouri State game to Friday. That way it's a little bit the timing of both teams having rest and whatnot is a little bit better. And KU agreed to that. KU was clearly – they were clearly willing to – 
do kind of whatever it took, I guess, to get this Illinois game on Friday in primetime, right? So that was one of the things they had to sacrifice. And, and you know, from the fan perspective, I think most fans will probably get over it. They did it, I feel like, with a little bit of enough time ahead of time that it's maybe not that big of a deal. But, yeah, I mean, clearly what K, KU got what they wanted out of the situation, which was Illinois versus KU in primetime in sort of a standalone time slot. Yep. All right. Uh, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. That's going to do it for our four o'clock hour. We got uh, more coming at you in the five o'clock hour, including Florida Man Mad Libs with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. This is a Rock Chalk Sports Talk news alert. Office say this man sold crack to an undercover police officer all while wearing a shirt that said Coke on it. Ever wondered just how crazy headlines can get? And now the Broward Sheriff's Office is looking into this one. So if you recognize the defecating deviant dropping deuces on driveways, give Broward Crime Stoppers a call. Our headline experts have you covered. 42-year-old man was arrested for riding his bicycle on the front lawn of a Naples home and telling a woman inside he was an FBI agent. This is Florida Man Mad Libs with Derek Johnson, Nick Springer, and Sam Speck on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Welcome back in. This is Florida Man Mad Libs on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now in studio by Sam Speck. Thank you to Sam for coming in as always. Oh, absolutely. Got to love this segment. One of mm-hmm. my favorites, certainly. And while everybody else seemingly is in off season, we are now in our summer season. So can you believe it? Season four currently of Florida Man Mad Libs. I think we are nearly at a full year. I think the, the fans would tell you, though, that seasons yeah. one and three were, were for sure the most important <laughs> and the best. Well, uh, from that response, yes, Derek is our Dude, previous champion. But it's a clean slate. Everybody knows that the show goes downhill after season two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to get to season three, it's all downhill. But hey, Come it on, is man. a clean slate heading into the summer season. So Nick's got a clean slate. Derek, it is zero to zero. And for you at home, here's how it works. There are four legitimate headlines that are coming your way. In the first round, there is one redacted word or phrase which has a point value of one. The next three will have two redacted words or phrases, and that will have a point value of upwards of three points. But again, just one per. Or, again, if you get the entire headline, that it is three points. You're encouraged to play at home, tag along, and it is a lot of fun. And, of course, we get to hear what these guys think. So, are you boys ready? Yep. Oh, yeah. All right, let's do it. Here we are, number one, and we stay here in the Sunflower State. That's right, Kansas man. He reels in the big one during fishing trip, a blank. So, I kind of stumbled on my this wording the there. but Park, uh, Or the Clinton Lake one? Oh, no. It's, uh, oh, no. I don't know. Maybe. It, who knows? Let's see. A uh, Kansas <laughs> man reels in the big one during fishing trip. A 120-pound blue catfish. A suitcase full of cocaine. Oh. Or a 1990s Jeep. Okay. This is definitely, okay, definitely not, the, not yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Okay. We saw a story about I was sweating. Somebody, well, no, we there was a story. Yeah. Some guy last week caught a 60-pound smallmouth bass in Clinton Lake. Holy Which cow. Which you never expect. Set the in Clinton Lake. I think it was like That's I'm pretty enormous. sure it was a state record. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this would be t- uh, uh, this is a record-breaking catfish as well. So you never know what this man's reeling in. A Kansas man reels in the big one during fishing trip. A either 120-pound blue catfish, a suitcase full of cocaine, or a 1990s Jeep. You just said catfish. Does that mean the answer is catfish? Or is that what? just a left turn? Did he I throw said, you out he, to left he field? He said, oh, we caught a catfish. And then he read off the answers. One of the answers. Uh, well, I, be- I said I would believe 120 <laughs> pounds would be a state record as well. Okay, okay. We'll see. Well, listen. 
under the circumstances of Florida man, the obvious answer here is the the, the suitcase full of cocaine. Am I, obvious? Am I There's yeah. a, what do you mean? How does 1990 sound less obvious than cocaine? No, dude, I'm telling you, in for the ambiance of Florida man, oh, that's the okay, one that makes yes. the most sense. Okay, I got you. I don't. First of all, you'd have to have. I don't even know if there's a rod strong enough to reel in a 1990 Jeep. Okay, so I don't think that's possible. So I think it's either catfish or suitcase. I'm gonna go with the suitcase because I don't know something's fishy, pun intended, going on with the catfish thing. Gotcha. Okay, so Nick's gonna lock in with a big bag of cocaine. Derek, what are your thoughts on this one so far? So I kind of was leaning that as well, but man, the, how does he reel in a jeep? What what kind of fishing pole does he have? Maybe the jeep is That's corroded. There's no there's no fishing rod strong enough to where you I think you could reel or like line combination. But see, it's so ridiculous. I want to pick it. But I don't know if that was just a perfect ploy by Sam to get me to pick it, even though it's so silly. I'm going to pick it. Jeep. <laughs> All right. So Derek's okay. going to go with Jeep. And there so is. We both dodged. We both avoided the catfish option. The, the catfish, yes. which, uh, yes, I did look up online. Would have been a state record, 120 pounds, but that's not it. Here it is. Kansas man reels in the big one during fishing trip, a 1990s Jeep. And here's wow, what happened. I do have dude. some context to the story. So he re- okay. So what happened is he obviously casted out his line. He pulled back the uh, license plate, and when he pulled back the license plate, he took it in, and the police had found that was actually a stolen vehicle from like 20 years ago. Uh, so, so they didn't actually find wow. the case. Jeep? No, they 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 then went in and got the jeep later. Oh, he didn't so the jeep physically was pull in it out. The water yes. was in the lake or whatever. So it's a misleading headline I a little see. bit. He didn't actually Dude, pull it out with his crap. line, but uh, he is, did find it. That's crap. <laughs> that's so, crap. <laughs> Derek going with his gut there and getting a point. All right, let's get into the next three again. Sometimes the game's just. A it is. Sometimes you have that luck. Uh, again, the next three will have two redacted words or phrases. So here we go. We'll go back down to the Sunshine State. Florida man threw blank after being a denied, or excuse me, after being denied a ride blank. So again, it's kind okay. of a weird one initially, but we'll start yeah. with the first redacted word and get to the second in just a moment. Florida man threw a fit. Florida man threw a seven-inch knife. Or threw a grenade after being denied a ride <laughs> blank. <laughs> These are good options. Yes, indeed. All right. So, again, okay. what are we feeling? Just a fit, just a plain old hissy fit, a seven-inch knife, or a grenade. We go. Okay. So, I think the fit one, here's what I'm thinking. Fit could be the answer because what I'm envisioning is like he was, I'm envisioning him plane. He's on a plane. And he wants to get on the plane or he just missed his plane or something's going on with the plane. And so, he throws a fit about the plane situation. That's sure. what I'm thinking with that. The knife one, I have no idea. And then grenade is just, that's just classic. Who knows? Yeah, it's a it's so, a huge step up each time. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think it's fit because I, I don't think, I don't think a headline writer would say that. Would they? Wouldn't they just be like, Florida man, upset. I could. Or whatever. I've seen, uh, yeah, I've seen weirder fit. ones, but you never know. Um, see, okay, I, I, I kind of want to go grenade. Remember that one story about the <laughs> yeah. guy like blowing something yes, up, blew up for his like, neighbor's car for like a, the birthday or yes. Fourth of July or something? No, 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 no that was the eighty pounds for the uh, yeah, gender reveal. Occasion, for the, it was gender reveal. Okay, it's so gender reveal. reveal. That's right, eighty pounds of dynamite. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to go with grenade. Um, Are you going with a knife? Can you give me a full headline one more time? Florida man threw either a fit, a seven-inch knife, or a grenade after being denied a ride blank. Yeah, I'm going to go grenade. Grenade? So yeah. Derek's going to lock in with grenade. What are you thinking I think here, I'm, Nick? I actually, I've talked myself back into it. I'm going to pick fit. So Nick's going to go with a fit. I, I, you know, I like your, your line Throws of thinking, though. 
Uh, so here we go. Second redacted word. Florida man threw either a fit, seven-inch knife, or a grenade after being a excuse me after being denied a ride at the fair, home from jail, or to GameStop. Oh. <laughs> So a wide variety here, but he's denied a ride either at the fair, so just something, again, that you got your tickets for or something, yeah. either a ride home from jail or a ride to GameStop. Okay, I think, I don't think a fit makes sense for the GameStop one, because why would that be a headline? Head yeah. Yeah, What like, what's what's headliney about that? Mm -hmm. So because I picked fit for my first answer, I think I need to go with either the state fair or from jail. I think jail's a good option. Like, this dude gets out of jail. And he calls up like his girlfriend or like his mom or something, and it's like, "Hey, come pick me up from jail." And she's like, "No." And then he's there with the cops, and he's like, "Well, this sucks. Now I'm stuck in jail. I can't, I can't leave jail because I don't have a ride." And you're so right next to with, all the police officers. Yeah, I'm too. going with jail. I'm going with jail. Okay, so he's gonna lock I'm in. Going with you. You. Ride home from jail. And Derek, what did you think? So I, I'm thinking my grenade one is going to be wrong at this point based on the other answers. Not necessarily. It's quite the escalation yeah, be. to be denied be a ride at the fair and throw a grenade. What do you mean throw a grenade at GameStop? No, 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 no. He was so mad that he would couldn't get a ride to GameStop from I guess it's a ride. Somebody. I'll be honest, though. I, I immediately was thinking GameStop was the answer. It just seems so like ridiculous that I want to pick it, and I will pick it. So, okay. GameStop. I think you might be right, actually. Derek's mm. going to go along those lines. Here it is. Full unredacted headline. Florida man threw a seven-inch knife after being denied a ride to GameStop. Wow. Uh, so you got one point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, uh, you know, I don't I know. I almost picked knife, too. Dang. I don't know the full mm. context of the story, but well, I guess I'm it was just the guy angry. really, really wanted it. Yeah, I wonder if he threw the knife at the, was it like an Uber driver or something? No, no, or no. Or maybe no. the person he was yeah. Uh, was, was gonna get a ride yeah, from or? whoever like you know again he's he's at home and he's got like his wife or girlfriend or mom or something and she won't give him a ride to GameStop and he's like dude mm. I will die if I don't play this game and he throws the knife okay alrighty here we go uh, Derek with one point there so up 2-0 let's get into the next one another one from Florida one of my favorites of the week actually Florida man cuts off blank dives out of blank during police raid so we will start with the first one here Florida man cuts off hand cuts off ankle monitor or cuts off clothing dives out of blank during police raid we'll get to the second one in just a moment but either ankle monitor his hand or his clothing is what he's cutting off okay i think the the ankle monitor is probably the most logical one right the hand seems very very intense <laughs> quite the leap yeah. in, of intensity i'm trying to figure out why cutting Bless off you. his hand would Help him in this way. Kept sneezing, sorry. Uh, maybe his hand was like, handcuffed? what if he stole a police car and was driving it and his hand was like handcuffed? Oh, okay. I don't know, to something. He had to cut his hand off. But I don't know where he would get like a knife in that. I don't I don't think it's hand. I got to be I don't, honest, think, I don't it's think it's hand either. This, yeah. doesn't, this doesn't give off a 27 hours type vibe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that's I don't think that's I it. think. Uh... So it's either ankle monitor or clothing. Ankle monitor makes a lot of sense. He doesn't want him tracking him anymore. Although I don't know that as here's what I understand though: cutting off your clothing and like that just makes you more easier to spot because then like you're <laughs> yeah. the only naked guy that around. What if so he was it's like, obvious. What if he was jumping into like a swamp or something? And what he didn't want to get his clothes dirty, know. but he cut him off. That doesn't make sense. I'm gonna say ankle monitor. I feel like that makes <laughs> the most sense. Because he went with ankle monitor, and I want to be different, I'm going to pick clothes. Okay, so Nick's going clothes, ankle monitor for Derek. Here's where he's diving out of. Florida man cuts off either his hand, clothing, or ankle monitor and dives out of a squad car, a second-story window, or out of fear during police raid. Hmm. Okay, so this is... Um, I, I don't think it's the squad car, because 
the phrase during police raid to me indicates that like this is an ongoing raid. Like he hasn't actually been captured yet. Whereas okay, if he's I like see. in the squad car, that would mean that they already had him. You know what I'm saying? They could have had him, and then now they're breaking into his house, and they're going to find a bunch of stuff. That so, like, they, they caught him. That and would then go they back went, in line with cutting his hand and then off, they and he jumps out because so he's you're attached to the handcuff. They, they went into his house, they arrested him, they took him out, put him in the squad car, and then they were still, like, yeah. raiding the rest of his house. Yeah, and he and knew there was like, a bunch of bad stuff, yeah, and he's like, like oh, I got to get out of here. I'm, yeah. I'm about to be screwed here. So yeah. now the hand comes the back. The hand does into, come back. But I don't know where he would get the item that would cut his hand off is the problem. Yeah, that is a major obstacle. All right, yeah, we were thinking squat car, second story window. I don't feel confident about any of these answers. I guess... Diving out of fear, maybe? <laughs> you never I'm gonna know. I'm going to pick second story window, I guess. Yeah, I that know. was going to... Yeah. That's, a, that's what I wanted to go but with. That doesn't well. make sense with my clothing pick, so I have no idea. Honestly, I don't know how much it makes sense with my first pick either, but like... What did you pick again? He picked ankle monitor. Yeah. No, that's the one that and makes the most sense. It does not make sense. That's the one that makes the most sense. I just like, don't think it's they, like He's got an ankle monitor. Attached. They're tracking him. They're going to raid his house. They know he's in there, and he's like, if I'm going to run away, i got to cut Might off as well his snip it, yeah. so okay. that I don't, they don't distract me. Yeah, I'll go right. second floor. So second story window for the both of you. Here it is. Florida man cuts off ankle monitor and dives out of second story window during police mm. raid. So good job uh, both getting a point there. But Derek with the big yeah, three. Derek got three. Yeah, that way Derek with the big three. Nick did get the uh, the one additional, Dude, though. Suck. So. Uh, struggling in week one here, but yeah, still I'm with bad. some time to come here, uh, come back now as uh, we're going to head down to the Lone Star State for our final one. Texas man takes down blank using techniques he learned from blank. <laughs> so <laughs> this is, I feel like the second one's going to be like a movie. Or a <laughs> oh yeah, or something. dude, Napoleon yeah. Dynamite. Yeah. All right, uh, Texas man takes down city government. <laughs> alligator or intruder using techniques he learned from blank. We'll get to the second in just a moment, but again, either hey, an alligator, city government, alligators or intruder. alligators do they have in city, Texas? City government? What? How does he take down the whole city government? Maybe this it's just a, a phrase thing. or something. Maybe, you know, maybe he was fighting a okay, battle. Okay, also, the issue I have with taking down an alligator is alligators are already, like, down. <laughs> They're down. They're already down. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, I mean, you're not really taking him down if he's already... You know, he's already laying down. I don't think this writer's worried about <laughs> semantics too much. <laughs> I'm, I'm very worried because that makes me think it's not that it's not the right answer. All right. Let's uh, again. Intruder. So okay. City government or alligator. What's he taking down here? Obviously, intruder is the one that is. I think it most, makes the most sense. Yes. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Are you going to go with it? Because I'm going to pick something different. From I kind of want to do the city government one to see where this goes. <laughs> I do think the logical one I for mean, me to pick is that, but I'm going to go city government. I think right. I have the win clinched anyway. So I'll take well. intruder. I'll take intruder. Okay, so Nick going intruder, city government for Derek. Here it is. You can't take down an alligator. <laughs> Texas man takes down either an alligator, the city government, or an intruder using techniques he learned from his mother, from YouTube, or from Steve Irwin. Oh. So, Nick, you went intruder. Did he learn that from Steve Irwin, YouTube, or his mom? <laughs> I think he probably learned it from... I don't know. You could... Listen. You could still learn how to take down an intruder from Steve Irwin. Oh, absolutely. How he's so, grappling yes, those, uh, yes. those alligators. So that, yeah. doesn't, so, that doesn't rule out that as an option, I don't think. No, it doesn't. Irwin, YouTube, or I, his mother. What I am going to pick YouTube. I'm going to pick YouTube. Listen. There's, there's YouTube videos for everything. Yes. Literally everything. Anything you can think of that's like you can think, YouTube has the answer. Probably. It's, it's kind of crazy. I found this page. They just race marbles down a hill. It's called Marbula One. They have everything. Wow. So it could <laughs> be YouTube. You wow. never know. <laughs> I'm telling Derek, you, yeah, you YouTube, people like learn 
a that's lot of saying. stuff from YouTube. That's what I'm saying. So I, I'm going with YouTube. Because like, I, I think even if Intruder is wrong, I think YouTube might be still right. I'm thinking it's YouTube, but wait. So what? what is my lead? What is the score on this? It is... I think it's like five to two. Five to two, correct. Yeah, five to two. Okay. So if I get both right and you get both wrong, yeah, you get a tie. Yeah, it's a tie. So wanna... by that logic, you should pick the same one as me. Right, but I wanted to pick YouTube anyway. So then you so should pick YouTube. I am going to pick YouTube, okay. but I, I kind of wanted to pick Mom, but yeah, so YouTube that, it is. by you picking YouTube, I think that pretty much clinches. Yes. All right, here we go. Texas man takes down alligator using techniques he learned from Steve Irwin. So, Dude, uh, what? Wow. Yeah, the that house is such crap. Takes back that is. on the last one there. Dude, so, uh, how about that? That is such that? BS. How I tried do you, to stump you. You can't take down an alligator. <laughs> I'm very upset about the phrasing I think Steve Irwin would debate you on that. I am very I upset about the phrasing. he would debate you on that. Listen, well, it would be better if he said, like, you know, grappled an alligator or tamed an alligator. You know, you don't yeah. take it down. Controlled. It's already, yes, it's already, it's already down. I see. It's already I, down. Yeah, that, I don't that, agree with that. Uh, that uh, headline writer wasn't too worried about uh, semantics. Semantics, but Derek coming away with the week one victory in summer season. But we have a long thirteen weeks ahead of us, Nick. So don't get too discouraged by yeah, any means. Fine. No, uh, get discouraged. <laughs> no, we're fine. Be, be sad. Uh, any uh, any ones for the house? Yeah, this I week? do have Let's one do for uh, the house. We'll see if I can actually get one of Nick's stump this yeah, time. Yeah, seriously. I needed ten thousand dollars to fix my blank, so I staged a blank. Okay. okay. I needed ten k to fix my Busted bathroom, kitchen, leaky roof. So I staged a blank. Yeah, I don't think it's bathroom because I think bathrooms are cheaper than ten thousand. Kitchen, if you're going super fancy, would be ten thousand. Leaky roof, definitely ten thousand. I'm going leaky roof. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to do that as well. And should I go with the same he, one? He is you're undefeated I mean, yeah, I mean, these you, last you couple of weeks. It would be better I'm for you go to, with the roof. Yeah, it would be better for okay. you to tail me actually because I'm. You're I'm on a hot right. streak with these ones. Okay, right, so we both went the roof. I needed ten k to fix my. I guess both of you leaky roof roof. So I staged a Smurf steam roller coaster ride, fake wedding, and sold my gifts and rooftop strip show. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Jeez, how diabolical is the host of fake what a, wedding? I don't even know what a rooftop strip show is. What is that? Some guy stripping on a rooftop is what it sounds like to me. <laughs> I'm also really confused by the Smurf roller coaster one. I'm gonna go with wedding. That sounds diabolical. Like that's just mean. What is going on mean... with the Smurf roller coaster? Smurf themed roller coaster ride. But, like why? <laughs> why Smurf themed? Like Sur- that, Smurf that, cell, man. You know that sounds so stupid that I think it's wrong because it sounds like something you're stupid enough to think of, Derek. Smurf no cell. I'm not going okay, to. Okay, good. I'm going to pick rooftop strip show. Are you on rooftop strip I went show? wedding. You're going fake wedding. wedding. The correct answer. I needed 10k to fix my leaky roof, so I staged a rooftop strip show. No. Let's go! He's, what he's, a he's run. beatable on that. A, a rooftop strip show. That's unbelievable. I'm in All Derek's right. head, man. <laughs> Derek, Woo! week one victory. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Florida man, Mad Libs. We out. All right, that's Sam Speck with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.